Hi, my name's Edie. I'm 16. I'm a junior in high school. I'm Chinese American. I'm an introvert. I'm a dancer. I do theater. I could go on, but to save you some time, I won't. All I'm saying is that everyone has a unique set of attributes from which an individual voice emerges. So, with that, welcome to my podcast, Voices. Here we talk about a lot of things, but what's important is that everyone who shares uses their voice to discuss the topic at hand. Part of being human is discovering your voice, but it's also about learning the voices of others. This week, I'm talking to my lovely friend, JC Alpert, about a couple of different things. First, she's going to introduce herself, then, we're going to talk about one of our shared passions, dance, followed by a discussion about feminism and women's rights. Hi, my name is JC. I'm a junior in high school. I'm a feminist. I'm Jewish. I'm a dancer, and I do costumes for theater. My friends and family are extremely important to me, and so is my dance family and my costumes family. I'm also very passionate about women's rights, and I'm lucky to have been raised by my strong mother, my feminist father, and my mom's amazing best friends, Steph, Ashley, and Jocelyn. I wanted to be on the podcast to support Edie because the previous episodes have been incredible, and I also think it's important to use this time away from our typical lives to get to know each other and talk about things that are important in the world and in our personal lives. Okay, so starting off with some dance questions. I know it's something that's a passion that we both share. We, we dance directed a show together, so we're very familiar yes. with how much we love it. But how long have you been dancing? I've been dancing for 10 years. What do you think your favorite style of dance is and why do you like it so much? I actually have two favorite styles and they're very different. Um, my favorites are modern and tap. And I like modern because like you can tell a story with it um, and I feel like if you capture such raw emotion through modern dance and it's a way to be really vulnerable through art and I also think you know a lot of times uh, dance becomes about the tricks that you can do and the turns and the jumps and leaps and this and that and the other but I think modern is so focused on movement and using your body weight to kind of ground you and just propel you through the movements rather than, you know, being up in releve and pulling yourself up and making yourself look light as air. And then um, I've always loved tap. I don't really know why. I just think it's really fun. And I definitely think it's underrated because a lot of people don't like it, but I'm tapping literally 24-7, like up and down the hallways of supermarkets, under my desk all the time. Mm -hmm. Tap is a really catchy dance style because like once you learn the things they're drilled into your brain which is understandable why people do it so much um, or like retain it so well. Like I took yeah. tap when I was in seventh grade and I haven't taken it since but I've like still like you I'm always tapping for some reason. Yeah um, I think you just remember it. It's like muscle memory and it just keeps on mm -hmm. going. Um, my favorite style of dance is kind of surprising to a lot of people. I really like hip hop, which um, if you know me personally, you know that it seems like that wouldn't be my style. But my first style of dance was hip hop. So I've had a lot of time to improve on it. But I also think that whenever I'm like in a hip hop class, I'm kind of like transformed, like it's a way for me to um, express a different side of me, which I think is why I'm so drawn to it. But taking a step back, what do you love so much about like dance in general? I think it's a great outlet and I think whatever my emotions are, wherever my mental health is at that day or that week, 
it's just such a great way to express everything that you're feeling. And yeah, I think that's why I love it. I just like to use movement as a way to get out all my feelings. And I think a big thing that we've both been told is like, you need to stop taking so many dance classes. You're like, don't go to dance. Like you have so much on your plate. But I think for both of us, we've talked about this before, but like just like going to dance is instead of thinking about it as just another thing we have to do, it's actually like a place where we can just like release everything that's stressing us out, which is really nice. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that even though there are some days where it's like, oh no, I have to go to dance after I'm at rehearsal or after I'm at costumes and all of this other stuff, and I have four hours of homework, once I get there, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good now. And what do you think dance has like taught you as a person? I think it's taught me a lot about perseverance, both in the studio and outside of it. I mean, like in the studio, I'll fall on my face. I'll like do some weird turn and completely fall down. But, you know, you have to get back up. And I think that translates a lot to life outside of dance. It's also taught me a lot about teamwork and passion. It was definitely the first thing I felt really passionate about. And it's nice to have something that you love so much. And definitely also taught me a lot about self-image and helped me with body image because like most people, I can get super down about my body, but whenever I'm dancing, especially if it's in modern or tap, I just don't care. And I think that's really important and it's definitely helped my like self-love process. Kind of going along what you just said about like body image, do you think the media does a good job of representing that like positive body image through dance specifically? I think yes and no. I think sometimes I'll see things and it'll be a very diverse group of dancers in terms of body image, in terms of race, in terms of everything. And I think that's amazing that that can happen. But I do think that the majority of the way dancers are portrayed is the super lean, super tall, you know, like bun head ballet girl, or for hip hop, like, again, super skinny, super fit, like crop tops and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. blonde hair. And I think, you know, that like growing up, that's definitely all I saw. And I don't think that helps anyone mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people feel like, oh, I can't do ballet because I'm going to look really bad or like my stomach is going to look too big. My legs are going to look too big or like I'm too short to do all of these leaps. But in reality, it has nothing to do with that. Okay, and last dance-related question. Can you see yourself doing dance in the future? Yeah, I think so. At least I would hope so. When we were directing Frosh Cab together, I realized how much I loved choreographing. And I like randomly will wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my gosh, I need to write this down. And it'll be choreography just flowing through my head. Um, so I have a lot right now that I'm just like waiting to use until after Corona. But I think I definitely want to keep doing that and like taking classes on choreography and teaching. And unfortunately, I have some injuries that will most likely prevent like a very intense dance career. Um, but for now, I'm just going to keep going and see how far I can get. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's a very positive outlook on it because I know one thing that we're told about 
the performing arts industry is that it's really hard and um, you shouldn't even like try. And I mean, there's like people that are on both ends of that. But for me, I want to keep dancing, but I also have so many other passions that I don't want it to become my like one thing that I'm doing. Me too. Um, and I, I know it worries me sometimes that maybe I won't be able to keep up with it. But like everything we've said before, it's just such a positive outlet um, and just way to express my myself artistically um, that I don't think I can ever see myself giving up. So the next thing we're going to talk about is women's rights, because I know that it's something that you're very passionate about and something that I haven't really done too much work in, which is, you know, I wish I have done more, but um, I, like I said, I have a lot of passions and <laughs> not as much time. But I remember you told me a while ago in your bio class before quarantine, you were working on um, a project a project that has to do with women's health and is connected to women's rights. And it sounded really cool. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So unfortunately, it's canceled because school is canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, but my bio teacher is the only teacher that does it. She has us do a year-long research project, which is definitely intimidating. And when she first told us about it, I was like, oh, there's no way. Absolutely no way. But it ended up being really cool. And the first half of the year, um, we focused on learning about our topics, which could be anything about biology current issues um, or the BCI. And um, at the end of the first semester, we wrote a research paper using all of the information that we researched and learned about when we were all exploring our topics. And you could either work in a group or alone And so I worked with two other people and the second semester, which sadly isn't happening, was focused on community outreach Um, and we can do anything that we want that would be, we think would be meaningful for our specific projects. So my group chose to do metastatic breast cancer and for our outreach, we were planning on going to a women's shelter to talk to them not only about the biology of metastatic breast cancer, but their rights to free mammograms, the importance of self-exams and how to give yourself a self-examination and um, how to get screenings if you don't have health insurance. And why did you choose this project? Um, I knew at the beginning that I wanted to focus on breast cancer because um, when I was in second grade, my grandmother passed away from it. And my group members also have had family who have gone through breast cancer. So I think it's really important to be educated on breast cancer. And there are certain factors that play into it, like um, certain groups of people that are more at risk and why it's important to catch it early to reduce the risk of metastasization. Also, a lot of women don't know how to self-examine, which is crucial, especially for women in shelters who don't have access to regular or regular access to health physicians. And kind of transitioning away from your really cool project, why are you passionate about women's rights? Like what kind of sparked that interest in you? Yeah, I think, you know, in our world, we've seen so much gender inequality. And I think it's important to keep fighting until we're seen as equals because all humans are equal and everyone should be treated as such. And I think a big thing for me is, especially when it comes to sexual assault, in today's sociopolitical climate, we have a lot of leaders with sexual assault allegations against them, and all of those have gone unanswered. And 
it's honestly scary to have men um, with these allegations attached to them in a position of power because that gives out the message that it's okay when it really isn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to be living in a society where I don't feel safe because I'm a woman and that's not fair and it shouldn't be happening. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I'm very passionate about this. How long ago do you think you started kind of realizing this, that you were so passionate about women's rights and like fighting for what you want? Yeah, I think probably when I was really young and I just didn't quite realize what it was, but I was always like the tomboy. I was playing sports, wearing my brother's clothes when I was in elementary school, always wanting to do what the guys were doing, not what the girls were doing. My grandma would take me shopping and she would be like, oh, look at this. And it would be pink or purple or have sequins. And I would be like, get it out, get it out of here. And I think, you know, that's when I kind of started thinking like, why can't I play baseball? Like, why is there a whole nother sport just for girls? Like, I don't like that. Why can't I play football with the guys at recess and that kind of stuff? And I think that was kind of like a starting point for me. And just, you know, realizing the little things when it comes to sports or different stereotypes about how each gender should dress and that kind of thing. And I think that kind of kick-started my involvement in women's rights activism. And how did you manage to like find your voice and speak out? I've grown up with such strong female voices in my family. Um, Both of my grandmothers were insanely strong and my grandma, um, who's still alive, still is. And both of my aunts as well. Um, One of them is a rabbi and traditionally women are not rabbis. Um, So that's, you know, really cool. And then my other aunt is a musician, and she's amazing as well. And also my mom's best friends, who are honestly my other parents. And they've always been so supportive and so active in uh, like women's rights movements. And then my mom, definitely, because she's a family law lawyer, and her cases primarily surround domestic violence, which is a really difficult thing. And she's also one of the many lawyers who had gone to the airport to help people when the immigration ban was placed. And so I grew up hearing about her cases and watching her advocate for justice, both in the courtroom and outside of it. And so I think having all of these female role models to look up to made it that much easier for me to find my own voice. And what kind of challenges do you think you've run into in your um, women's rights activism kind of journey? Yeah, I think a really common assumption is that feminism means we think women are superior when that's not at all what it is. And there's such a huge stigma around the label feminist because people just don't understand what it is. And feminism, the definition is the advocacy for women's rights on the basis of the equality of the sexes. And you know, that's really important to remember because we're not fighting because we want more rights than men. We want more rights than other people. We're fighting because we want equal rights that we should already have, yet because of the way our society is working, we don't. And I've also heard a lot of comments like feminazi um, 
And not only is that just a disgusting comment, but that's also anti-Semitic and really heavy. And there's also a stigma around boys who are feminists because of toxic masculinity. When we're fighting for feminism and fighting for women's rights, we're also keeping in mind the men who are attacked for fighting for us. And that's not fair. And there's so much toxic masculinity. And if you believe in equality for all genders and you believe in things like closing the wage gap, ending violence against women, and the list could go on, you're a feminist if you choose to call yourself one. You know, those are feminist beliefs and feminist values. So I think just the different stigmas around what feminism is and who can be a feminist. I think one thing that just really frustrates me also is how people start throwing around the word feminist as like a derogatory thing when a lot of people are they'll say like I'm proud to be a feminist because they stand behind the movement and what everything they're fighting for obviously but then when people can just so easily use it as like a derogatory like oh like feminists you know like that just becomes very frustrating it's something that we can't yet combat just because of the power that men still have you know yeah and I've definitely like been told that like oh you're one of those feminists I'm like what feminists someone who believes in equal rights like did I do something to harm you no so Mm -hmm. why am I one of those feminists like then I guess I'm proud to be one if you think this isn't okay when it is Or things like social justice warrior used as, you know, a really derogatory term when, like, if you advocate for social justice, why is that an issue? And what would you like to continue to do in the future in terms of women's rights activism? I would want to continue advocating for women's rights through things like marches and volunteer work. I definitely want to continue pushing for equal pay ending violence against women, women's reproductive rights, justice for rape and sexual assault survivors, and so much more. And I just think it's really important to keep putting in the work until we get to where we need to be. And kind of the last point on this, why do you think it's important to tell people about women's rights and inform them? I think it's important to tell people about women's rights because we shouldn't have to. Women should be considered equal already. All genders should be considered equal. All humans should be considered equal because we are all equal. And sadly, that isn't how our world is working. And so it's extremely important to advocate for the rights that we should already have. Thanks for listening. It sucks that projects like Jay-Z's have had to be put on hold because of the current state of the world, but it doesn't mean that work still can't be done, and I'm so excited to see what kinds of amazing projects come out on the other end of this. And as always, feel free to reach out to me if you're interested in talking with me on the podcast, and remember to stay healthy and stay safe.